right, welcome back to the big program. Time now for the Puck Report, brought to you by Fountain Tire. Right now, during the road-ready sales event, you can save up to 25% on selected tires and a bonus of $50 off any service until October 21st. Book your appointment at fountaintire.com. Some restrictions do apply as we welcome in Kate Pedersen from the Vancouver Canucks broadcast team and the Rinkside Reporter. Welcome to Sports 1440. Kate, how are you today? Good morning. I'm great. I am doing the last minute scramble to get packed for this road trip, but yeah. I am very excited to to get things going. Man, I mean, uh, scrambling, that's a good word for kind of what you've been doing the last few years because you were here with the Oilers uh, three years ago, then you went to Nashville, uh, and now you're in Vancouver. Just kind of tell our listeners what this has been all about this last few years for you been wild which I think a lot of people can say over the past few years but um it's funny Jim Rutherford asked me in one of our meetings when I was interviewing you know why why the move around and I was like Jim I I didn't plan it that way but certainly unfortunate luck uh an unbelievable opportunity with Edmonton to come out there but I moved all the way across the country from Toronto to Edmonton and then five months later, the world shut down. Mm-hmm. So I went from Edmonton to Toronto. My contract expired during the pandemic and the lockdown. And I have some family in Nashville. So I thought, you know what? Got to just take a risk and make it happen. And I sponsored myself for a visa. I moved. I moved without a job. And then actually, uh, Mike Keith, the voice of the Titans, mm-hmm. set me up with Vanderbilt. <laughs> So I did baseball and basketball there for a year. And during that time, started conversations with the Predators and then ended up, they built a role for me. And then I got a call from an executive in Toronto that I had worked for previously with TSN when I was doing football. And he said, hey, I've got a friend with the Canucks. They're looking. Mm -hmm. Would you be interested? And I said, absolutely, for the right opportunity. And it's, you know, one of those calls you take and you're like, oh, okay, cool. It's nice to be considered. And then all of a sudden it really, it started to unfold. And I was like, wow, this is going to happen. This is an incredible opportunity to get back into a Canadian market, a hockey-centric market, and really do my thing. So I absolutely hate moving. I hate Mm -hmm. packing, which I'm doing right now. Uh, but you know what? You, it's one of those businesses, I think, where on paper someone looks, you know, if you're an accountant, an accountant, maybe someone's going, why are you moving so much? <laughs> but as you know, in, in sports and in media, you go where the opportunities are and, and you just keep on trucking and climbing. And yeah, so a great opportunity. I'm back in the Pacific Division. I'm seeing all of my friends all the time. The Oilers TV people are probably sick of me already. <laughs> Um, but no, it, it's been really neat and you're right. We haven't stopped with Penticton for young stars with training camp being in Victoria. I feel like, you know, I'm kind of cruising in mm. moderately organized chaos right now. <laughs> Canucks ringside reporter, Kate Pedersen's our guest on sports, uh, 1440. So, I mean, when you were in Edmonton, you were, uh, again, you said, you know, the world shut down we had COVID, um, do you often wonder what would have happened? Like you could still be here. You never know. Right. For sure. And I was on a a contract covering 
Jessica's maternity leave. Mm -hmm. And then from my understanding with COVID, she didn't come back for an extra year. Um, I think she had another kid. Maybe yes. she was yep. busy doing that, you know? Yep. Yeah. Jessica so, Kent. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, who knows, really? Yeah. And I think I think the silver lining for me was that I had wanted the opportunity to be closer to my family in Nashville. Mm -hmm. um, so the silver lining of all of it was I ended up in Nashville. And my little sister lives there now. She just got married. And, you know, a lot of my family's there. So it afforded me the opportunity to spend some time uh, with the kids there. Mm -hmm. um, but certainly, I mean, what an opportunity to go and, and work for a team where you're getting to see the best, some of the best players in the world every single day in Edmonton. And I credit the Oilers TV team, mm -hmm. um, Mojo in particular, Ryan Hartson, for just taking me under his wing and, and making sure that I was set up for success there in just a short period of time. So I think what's unique is how much I got out of that five months. What an incredible learning experience. What an incredible opportunity. So I just have to, to take it and box it up. But really, I think a lot of people probably look back over the last, you know, two or three years and think what could have been yeah. if it hadn't, if the world hadn't truly shut down and, and to be honest, even in that moment, we were playing Winnipeg. Mm -hmm. And I think it was like the first intermission that the Rudy Gobert stuff came down. <laughs> and then we're kind of cruising through the second period. The players are playing. They probably have no idea. And we're watching and refreshing Twitter and thinking, wow, this is real. Yeah. And, you know, by the end of the game, I was uh, paraphrasing a statement from the commissioner. It was crazy, crazy. So, yeah, I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty, and you never know what could have been. But certainly, yeah, was absolutely loving the opportunity. And and I think that factored into my decision, too, with mm -hmm. Vancouver, is I know how, you know, n nothing bad towards towards Nashville and the Predators, but it's different. Yes. And, you know, being yeah. in a Canadian market, hockey-driven, in the South, football is king. There's no, no one will deny that. So for me to be able to be back in a, a hockey market, a Canadian market, uh, with a, with a team that's doing some really exciting stuff on and off the ice, what an opportunity. Kate Pedersen, uh, Canucks ringside reporter is our guest on the Kevin Carrius show on sports 1440. Um, if you've had the opportunity to do uh, interviews um, in between periods uh, um, after games, they're they're difficult interviews to do because sometimes, and I'm not speaking to you, Kate, because you've been doing them for a long. I'm kind of speaking to our listeners um, because you've only got a couple questions. The players sometimes aren't in the best of moods. Sometimes they're in a good mood. How do you approach these interviews when you're up? you know, talking to whatever player in whatever situation, uh, just kind of explain your mindset when you want to do these interviews. I am a chronic over-preparer. <laughs> that is number one. And I would say I probably use on a good day, 5% of what I've prepared, but it's the one time you don't that you need it. So I find I prepare a the more confident I feel and be the more equipped I am to pivot as you mentioned you know at the end of 
the other night, I I had a pretty good sense. I mean, 12 of Vancouver's players were on the score sheet and, you know, could have been the captain or could have been. Right. But I had a pretty good idea, given his uh, goal scoring, that it was going to be Brock Besser. Mm-hmm. And I had a little note that I had got earlier in the week from speaking to his line mates and I thought this is a good way to ease him in maybe make him laugh so my mindset is to try to make sure that I'm ready because it changes all the time and then I think just you know personality driven up front because I think that that's that's one way that I've done really well Mm -hmm. in my career and that's certainly one of my strengths being able to try to break through this you know, tough exterior. Um, I remember I made Connor McDavid laugh once, and that was one of my prouder moments. <laughs> That's it, tough to I'm do. Not talking just right. I'm not talking just a little giggle. Like he actually audibly laughed, and I was like, "Okay, I'm breaking through here." But I think you know, make it make it conversational, make it easy for the fan, make it interesting and relatable. But try to get some personality out. And and to be honest, in hockey and in some of these moments that's the biggest challenge. And I think also going in with realistic expectations. Mm -hmm. I do a pregame interview on the bench. I have two questions. He does two laps before he comes to me. Mm -hmm. Probably one of the last things he wants to do in that moment is come for a chat on the bench. So my line of questioning, and I'm also realistic that this isn't going to be the personality piece in that moment. Now, post game, I get a few questions on the ice with the first star after the win. So all signs point towards a guy who's excited and and happy Mm. to be there essentially. Um, So, yeah, I think the mindset for me is, you know, what are we trying to accomplish? We're trying to give the fans a little bit of an extra bonus piece, you know, getting the opportunity to to hear from the player, hear from his experience. So I try, when able, to to set him up to thread a little personality in there. And I think that's really important. For sure. Kate Pedersen, Canucks Ringside Reporters, our guest on Sports 1440. Uh, your dad, Leaf, was a heck of a CFL football player and was just a wonderful color commentator uh, on the CFL broadcast. Is that the main reason, kind of, why you got into broadcasting? Yeah, you know, I was at Queens, excellent school. I'm biased. I loved it. But I was in the middle of a four-year political science degree. And he passed away suddenly this Mm -hmm. summer, about a month, just over a month, yeah, before I went back to my fourth year. And in that moment, I had an idea of what I wanted to do, but I wasn't 100% sure And that really pushed me. I mean, I grew up listening to broadcasts in the car with him when he was on his off days, going to the games. I mean, what an incredible Mm -hmm. opportunity for a kid being able to go and stand on the sidelines during warm-up and watch pinball, watch Mike O'Shea, meet Warren Moon, watch Doug Flutie. Like, how cool was that? Mm -hmm. So that was the football side. Obviously, now I I flipped to hockey. But for me... It, it was a no-brainer at that point. I changed everything around in my schedule at school. I interned like crazy. And actually, Michael Landsberg was the person I leaned on in that moment because mm-hmm. uh, I'd always always had a relationship with him through my dad. And I said, Michael, what do I do? 
And the option at that point was, you know, maybe I try to go to Ryerson and take their program, but it was a full four years. Nothing would transfer over. And I thought, you know what? Let me just work hard. I interned. I worked for free a lot. Mm-hmm. And some of it was production. Some of it was on camera. But that, in that moment, I wanted to follow in his footsteps. And, and I'm really proud. And obviously, having the opportunity to do the CFL was extra special. And now I go to games as a fan. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, deep roots in mm-hmm. history. And, you know, and, and I think... I have a lot of moments. I've also lost my mom since then. So for me, I walked out of the rink the other night. I don't even know what day it is. That was Wednesday. And I had a little moment. And I have them all the time where I'm like, wow, I wish my mom and dad were here to see that. That was pretty cool. So I've never looked back on that decision. I've had to work for free a long way. And uh, I've also had some people... You know, I had a producer when I was in mm-hmm. Saskatchewan look at me and say, I don't believe someone without a degree in journalism has a career in broadcasting. <laughs> I don't know where he is now. I should probably look him up. But you know what? Good. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I relate to what our players say here. And, and I, I'm sure it's felt the same in Edmonton when there's losses or a mm-hmm. tough stretch. Put that chip on your shoulder. Use it. Let it fuel you. Use it in a positive way. Because, you know, a person saying that doesn't really know me. Because they don't know the hustle, the fight, the determination, and all of that stuff to prove you wrong. Um, You know, can can we do this, uh, like, do part two of this coming up in the next month or so? We haven't even talked about (laughs) how. No, like, we, like, I I got about another 20 minutes worth of stuff that I want to talk about. So um, that's the good things about these interviews. You never know where they're going to go, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and that's that's the beauty of it. It changes every day. I'd be miserable with a nine to five, I can tell you that. For sure. So uh, we'll probably see you at the rink. Are you on this whole road trip for the Canucks? I am. That's okay. why I'm powerful. Got to pack. It's a long trip for us. Well, yeah, those are the tough ones to pack for because you're just jamming everything in the case. Couple different climates, couple yep. different venues. Yeah, got a well, lot going on. And but I get to see my family at the end in Nashville. So oh, cool. Pretty excited about that. That's well, important. To thanks me. so much for doing this, Kate. I, again, I want to. I got about twenty more minutes of content, maybe even okay. a bit more, that we can talk about uh, the past and the future and things like that. So appreciate your time today. Absolutely, would love to come back on. All right, that's Kate Pedersen, Canucks Rinkside reporter. Uh, for the Puck Report, brought to you by Fountain Tire. Once the weather hits 7 degrees for 7 days, it's a good time to get your tires changed over at Fountain Tire. We are working on a guest uh, at 940 just to talk about the Elks and what's been going on with the upper level. And I guess some fans, most of the fans that we talk to are not happy. Some fans are saying it's a good thing, a couple anyway. Uh, I think some people are wondering exactly what is going on. So hopefully we can maybe hook up with Evan Dom. We're going to work on that in the break. But when we come back, uh, right after this break, we will check in with a Troy Murray. Local product. He's got a rink named after him. What more do you want? Chicago Blackhawks radio color analyst next on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us.
All right, welcome back to the big program. Time to elevate your game for Ram Elevators and Lifts. Unlock your potential of your residence with a home elevator or lift. You can learn more at TrustRam.com as we welcome in Troy Murray from the Chicago Blackhawks Radio Network. Uh, Troy, long time no talk. Uh, How are you today? We just lost Troy. Rats. We're going to try to hook up with Troy once again. So, Troy, how, how can you beat having a, a name ranked after, named after you in St. Albert? Of course, uh, Troy Murray's been uh, doing the Blackhawks uh, commentary for a long time. Great career with the Chicago Blackhawks and moved on to a few other teams. But uh, uh, played his junior hockey in uh, St. Albert with the Saints back in the late 70s and early 80s. Uh, and then went on to play the North Dakota for the, uh, just call it the University of North Dakota now. Uh, and then just a great career in Chicago. Um, a real fine, fine player. And now has been the uh, radio analyst for the uh, Blackhawks for a long time. Uh, Troy and the Blackhawks are in Montreal. Getting ready for tomorrow's big tilt. Against the Canadians, the Blackhawks take on the Habs tomorrow night, so that will be Connor Bedard's uh, first game on home soil as we welcome in Troy. Long time no talk. Troy, how are you? I'm good, Kevin. How are you today? Oh, really, really good. So have you have you been asked any Connor Bedard questions lately? I'm not sure who that is. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, Kevin? It, it's, been, it's been great. Um, you know, they, they they looked at the TV ratings for the first two games, mm-hmm. uh, national games here down in the United States, and off the charts, great numbers. Um, and it's all because of Connor Bedard. I mean, this kid is special. Um, it, just talking to him, you, you know that he's um, he's wired differently. Mm-hmm. This guy is all about hockey. He's only he just turned 18 years of age, which is incredible when you think about it. Um, but very mature, and there's so much media attention going on. Um, you know, now up here in Montreal and Toronto, <laughs> you'll get a big dose, maybe the biggest <laughs> dose of media attention that he'll ever have uh, in his career. Yeah, he is definitely elevating uh, his game for Ram elevators and lifts. So, can you just explain what that first uh, night was like in Pittsburgh, the the head-to-head with Sidney Crosby? And, I mean, even that opening face-off, we were talking about it, how Kelly Sutherland went and talked to him a little bit, and he sort of seemed to, whoa, where am I kind of thing. And, and But, I mean, he's just been a wonderful, wonderful story to follow. He has. And, um, you know, you, you, you look at the setup of his idol, who's twice his age, uh, Sydney's 36 and, and uh, Connor's 18, his idol growing up, getting his first NHL game to go in the face-off circle against Sidney Crosby. The whole makeup of everything that was going on was just incredible. Um, the excitement, the buzz that was going on coming into that game um, was just amazing. The way that he handles all the, the, the media attention mm-hmm. uh, is very impressive. He's a much mature, more mature person than you would think at 18 years of age. But you, you got to think in his mind, and he talks. He's he, he's he's really good at downplaying his situation, his matchup with Sidney Crosby. Um, but deep down inside, we all know how much that meant to him, how exciting it was for him, and, and, and exciting for me as a broadcaster. Yeah. I've been doing it for twenty years, and and to see this matchup between you know the future and and Sidney Crosby, who has been 
such a big part of the NHL, not only on the ice, but off the ice. And those expectations are going to be passed to Connor Bedard mm-hmm. um, and the guys like Connor McDavid, what they mean to the NHL. And, uh, you know, certainly the moment did not go unrecognized by anybody who was involved in that in that opening face-off. Yeah, for sure. Troy Murray is our guest uh, from Blackhawks uh, Radio. Uh, I think it's kind of funny when you look at the, the schedule. So, as you said, Montreal and Toronto, but you had Pittsburgh to start things off. You went to Boston. You know, they're throwing a lot of weight on this uh, young guy's shoulders, and he's handled it just immensely well. <laughs> Pittsburgh opening night, Sidney Crosby, Bedard. Yeah. Next night, Boston home opener, 100th anniversary. So many, like Bobby Orr, yeah. everybody was back there. You know, and here's this kid sitting and watching this, this ceremony. And then, of course, you know, the two media meccas in Canada, you've got Montreal and Toronto. Uh, the attention that he's going to garner here in the next few days is, is going to be to a lot of people, I would say overwhelming, and we'll see how he handles it. Um, he's done an excellent job so far, but this is going to be a different animal. But I guess it's good to get it out of the way, um, and it's not an easy schedule after that. Uh, the Blackhawks will travel from Toronto to Colorado to take on um, uh, the Avs, and then their home opener is against the Vegas Golden Knights, the mm-hmm. Stanley Cup champs. So <laughs> it's not going to get any easier for him, but. Uh, he seems to be up to the challenge, and he, he's been great with the media and all the attention that he's been getting. Oh, it's just absolutely amazing so far, just in the early going, and it's only been a couple of games, as you, as you say. Hey, um, uh, how is uh, uh, Taylor Hall doing after that hit? I, did, I didn't like the hit myself. What did you think of it? Yeah, you know what? A little bit of a blindside hit. Um, I, I don't think um, uh, Taylor saw him coming. Uh, you know, he looked like he came back and tried it for one more ship and went off. We don't really know what the uh, what the issue is now. Uh, there hasn't been any statement from the team. You know, they didn't practice yesterday. They'll practice today. Um, so we'll see. We should know a little bit more after we talk to Luke Richardson about his situation. But obviously for the Blackhawks, you know, he was brought in to be a big piece of the mentorship and the play with Connor Bedard. Um, to lose him right off the bat at the beginning of the season for any significant amount of time would be devastating. Yeah, for sure. Our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440 is Troy Murray, Chicago Blackhawks radio analyst. And it all got started for you, Troy, back in uh, the St. Albert days. And, I mean, I think you remember them fondly. And, hey, not many guys that are doing color in the NHL have a rink named after them. you got to be excited about that every time people bring it up. Yeah, you know, it is it is very special, and I, I do have an opportunity to, to get back to St. Albert, spend the time, some time with my brother and his family uh, when we're in town uh, to play the Oilers, and it's always special. A lot of times I will drive around uh, uh, with a, a good friend of mine, Dave, and, and we'll, we'll stop into the rink, we'll take a look at it, and, you know, see the plaque and everything, and it, it, to me it's always special, and, and I think for... I understand the fact that, you know, the, the new generation of kids coming up in hockey, and this is your, your, your younger group, look at it and they go like, well, who was Troy Murray? They, you know, the name has no recognition for a lot of these younger players. Heck, the, the name had no recognition to Jonathan Taves when he came to Chicago. <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know, I mean, it, it, it was a long time ago that I was in St. Albert, but, uh, you know, to have the, the arena named after me along with Mark Neshe, I we were kind of the two guys that came out of the program out of St. Albert the first, and uh, it, it's a great honor to have the name um, up there 
uh, in St. Albert. Yeah, for sure. Well, it, it doesn't go unrecognized here for sure, Troy. I mean, we, we drive by there and we think about you all the time for sure. So uh, very well deserved for sure. I always wanted to ask you, what what was it like to when you went to the University of North Dakota and played a couple of seasons there? I, I love North Dakota, Kevin. I actually went back for five years of summer school and it was you know, mostly to to go back there to, to get some classes done and try and finish my degree. But it was also just such a great place to play. The the, the two years that I spent there were some of the you know the best years of my life. And, and they, we ended up winning the NCAA my second year, and that was a Saturday night. And on Monday, I was in Chicago signing my first contract, so I didn't really get a chance to enjoy it. But there's a bond because we won it there, and, and I stay in touch with a lot of the players that uh, were on that '82 team. I love North Dakota. Gino Gasparini was the coach. He was amazing mm-hmm. in the program. It's second to none. I don't know, Kevin, if you've had a chance to see. There's a video that's out there on social media about the locker room uh, at the Ralph Engelstead Arena, the, the um, Fighting Hawks, they okay. call it. Now. Yeah, changed. Um, their room, which is spectacular. And in talking to Brad Berry, who's a local guy uh, from the Edmonton area as well, uh, the head coach down there now, I was talking to him and he said, Troy said, you know, when we're recruiting players, they come in and we're not selling grand forks. Hmm. We're selling the program and our program has to be the best because they're going up against big cities. And, you know, if somebody's coming to Chicago, there's no school here, but you, you sell the city as much as you do the rink. They sell the rink and they have to have the best of the best. And it is absolutely amazing what they have there. The program has been at the top for, for many, many years. And I, I just really, really thoroughly enjoyed my two years there. And, and you guys had some great, I mean, Dave Tippett was there, James Patrick. You had some great, great players on those teams. Oh, we, we did. And it was kind of ironic that we played Wisconsin in the league finals we got killed by Wisconsin, who had Chris Chelios, Bruce Driver. There was all kinds of guys that, that played on um, Wisconsin. And then we met in the NCAA final, and we, we beat them 5-2. to two. Mm-hmm. From that team, I, I think there was about 18 players that went on to, or 15 to 18 players that went on to have significant NHL careers. Uh, Craig Ludwig, Gordy Shervin, uh, who played with the Oilers. There was all kinds of uh, people. There was all kinds of names. Um, that came out of that program. John Casey was a goaltender. Darren Jensen, who played for Philadelphia when Pelly Lindbergh unfortunately passed away. Just so many great players that we had on those two teams that played long careers in the NHL. Chris Chelios was in the um, and I retired after 15 years, and I think he played another 30 years after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, didn't he? For sure. Uh, uh, Troy Murray's our guest on Sports 1440, the Kevin Carey Show. Uh, Troy, uh, just w- when you were in, at North Dakota, and you guys had a lot of Canadians on that team, but in 1980, of course, that was the miracle on ice. And then when you went to Chicago, could you feel, I guess, hockey sort of taking off because of what happened in 1980? Did you feel that in your early days in Chicago? hundred percent. I mean, that uh, 1980 U.S. team that won the gold medal changed everything for collegiate hockey and hockey in, in the United States. And, and just the buzz of, uh, I mean, I played against the Broughton brothers and, and a lot of guys that uh, that came out of that uh, WCHA program uh, that played on uh, Team USA. I played against them either that or in the NHL. And, uh, you know, there was always even kind of a bond, even if we hated the University of Minnesota where Neil Broughton was. But when we got on the ice, we kind of just like, you know what, we, we both made it. We came out of this collegiate system. And I was told 
um, at, at 16, 17, that if I ever wanted to play in the NHL, I was to go to the Lethbridge Broncos, who mm. owned my rights. Yeah. And uh, I went down there, and I think I played the two games or whatever it is before you have to give up your eligibility to play in the NCAA. And I just decided that uh, I was going to go to school. And, and I was told that uh, that's the wrong decision. You'll never play in the NHL if you go to uh, mm. college. And, um, you know, I thought an education was more important. It's, it's something that uh, my parents wanted me to do, and I agreed with them that, if you didn't make it in hockey, that an education was important to fall back on. So that was kind of my thought process going to North Dakota. Um, but certainly when the U.S. team won the gold medal, it, it changed everything. It, it, you know, it was a, a different atmosphere that, hey, you know, you can, have, you can go to college and these kids are good. And, boy, this is a good, you know, league that they have down mm-hmm. there. And now it's a, it's a, it's a great option. Um, there's tons of players that, that come out of the collegiate system now. Um, they're sometimes are a little bit older, more mature because they're they're older playing in that league rather than juniors where at an older age of 20, you know, there's a few of those, but 19 and you have to come out and make a decision. Maybe you're not quite ready. Maybe you're not quite as mature as, as a 23-year-old coming out of the collegiate uh, system. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Troy Murray is our guest on the Kevin Carey Show on uh, Sports 1440. Uh, you, you guys had so many wonderful uh, teams in Chicago in the 80s and uh, unfortunately you had to play the Oilers in a lot of the playoff series and, you know, into the early 90s. Yeah, that, that always sucked. <laughs> Didn't it, eh? But, I mean, I we had a, we were talking about some of the, that one series. It was 11-8, 11-7, 10-5. I mean, holy cow. It was just, defense was optional, wasn't it? Well, I was playing head-to-head against Gretzky, and he was getting four, five, six points a game, and I thought I was doing a pretty good job back in those days. But, you know, a little different style of, of play back then. But, um, you know, coming from basically Edmonton, St. Albert, uh, where I spent the majority of my uh, my youth, to follow the Oilers, and then to play mm-hmm. Gretzky, play against Messi, who, you know, to me is was my idol, playing with them played for his father, Doug, with the St. Albert Saints back in the day, you know, to go up against Mark and play in the NHL and to see the Oilers and and and, and just understand how great that team was um, for so many years. It just, it was difficult to come in and, and smile after the game and say hello to the family because we usually got our butts kicked. But it was just, it was incredible to see that how that whole thing developed, losing to the Islanders, understanding what it took to win mm-hmm. and then for them to be you know the, the model franchise for so many years in Edmonton was great oh no kidding for sure and then for your broadcasting career you, you you step into the booth it's a seamless transition for you because you've been doing such a great job for so many years to cover the cups and then now the transition to the next generation can you kind of just uh, touch on that what it, what it was like to to be at the top of the hill now you're in the rebuilding phase and hopefully you can get back to the uh, the top of the hill again? Well, when I started, we were at the bottom of the hill. It was about 8,000 people going mm-hmm. to the, the Blackhawk games. It was really a dire kind of time uh, for the Blackhawks. Um, but they got lucky and got Patrick Kane in, in the lottery that year. Uh, they had drafted Jonathan Cade at number three the year before. They had drafted in the system Duncan Keith and, and Brent Seabrook. Uh, but I was there before the kind of turnaround mm-hmm. happened. And to see that and the buzz that, that was going on in Chicago when they drafted Kane and, and the excitement that was there, 
and it was real. It only took a couple of years for those guys to win the Stanley Cup, and then you know for so many years they were, you know, they were the flagship station uh, team of the of the NHL, and it was the, you know everything. Everything prior to Chicago, you had to go through Detroit to win the Stanley Cup. And, you know, back in the day in the 80s, you had to go through the Oilers to try and win the Stanley Cup. And so that's the way it was. It was just great. There was so much excitement and to follow that whole core group of guys like the Oilers. There were seven guys that won the three Stanley Cups here with the Blackhawks. And then to see it come full circle where the Kane and Cave era ended yeah. last year. The Blackhawks and their management and their ownership decided that they had to move on. Um, and then to get lucky this year, get Connor Bedard, that same buzz that you had with Kane is, is the same feeling you're having here with Connor Bedard, knowing that you have something very special in this individual, hoping that it turns into and translates into championships again. Um, it, it's really exciting for me to be a part of it now. Um, after seeing what had happened, a little bit of a dip, and now back up to a point where the, the excitement is really back in the city of Chicago. Oh, it's simply amazing. Uh, Troy, I could go on talking with you for hours about the old times, the 80s and the Hawks and uh, back in St. Albert days, but uh, I know you got to get going. And, uh, the, the, I like, I like the... have to have a... We might have to have a cocktail in front of us and really get into it. How about three or four? How's that sound? All right. Hey, enjoy the game tomorrow night uh, and the rest of your road trip and uh, uh, continued success in the broadcast booth. Uh, always, always enjoy our time when we speak. Thanks a lot, Troy. All right. Thank you, Kevin, for having me. I appreciate it. All right. That's a Chicago Blackhawks radio color analyst, Troy Murray. 914 NHL games. Not bad for a guy that just... Uh, dominated the old AJ with the St. Albert Saints back in the day in the late 70s. Uh, That was uh, Elevate Your Game by Ram Elevators and Lifts. Uh, Manufacturing the safest elevator since 1987. TrustRam.com. When we come back, uh, we should be checking in with Evan Dom from the Edmonton Elks. Tech still coming in about uh, what's going on with the upper deck at Commonwealth as the Elks get ready for the Montreal Alouettes tomorrow. This is the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right. Welcome back to the big program. 943 in Edmonton. Um, a lot of the show this morning. We had Eddie Steele on, the former uh, double ear and former CFLer, Grey Cup champion in 2015. And um, we did talk about the Edmonton Elks uh, closing off the Upper Bowl for next year. They had a release out a couple of days ago. And we welcome in Evan Dom, Director of Marketing and Communications. Dahmer, how's it going, big guy? I'm good, KK. How are you today? Very good, very good. So, um, Alan Watt gave me a shout on text, and he said a couple of our texters that were uh, sending messages in maybe weren't totally um, correct in what they were saying. Some were very correct, some were, uh, kind of thing. So, I just kind of want to give you the opportunity to kind of set the record straight, be transparent with your season ticket holders. Um, I'm just going to read the last one that we got off here uh, before I can get your response, Evan. Uh, our four season seats are row five and six, upper deck, 15 yard line, west side, two plus two. I won't accept seats not together and in a worse location. So, you kind of heard, I'm sure you got the gist of our, our conversation conversations with texters this morning. So, Evan, can you just kind of respond uh, on behalf of the organization? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the short answer to that, Kevin, is that people are going to be moved from the upper bowl as close to the yard line that they have uh, in the upper bowl and the lower bowl. So if you're in the 15-yard line, um, you know, on the west side, we're going to put you 
in the lower bowl as close to the 15-yard line on the west side as we possibly can. And that's, that's the short answer is, um, you know, there's, there's inventory in the lower bowl for us to accommodate season okay. seat holders. Um, and that's what we're going to do. And, you know, there might be an instance where you're at the 15 and you end up at the 5, but that's, that's going to be a rarity. We're going to do absolutely everything we can to make sure that they're as close to that yard line uh, as possible. We're not taking somebody from the 15, let alone the 55, and sticking them in the end zone. In fact, nobody's, you know, we're, we're, we're going to put them uh, as close to where they want to be as possible. We're going to move them if they have a group. You know, if you have two season seats and your buddy has two season seats and you want to move together, uh, our customer service team is going to do that for you. Okay. Uh, uh, the price is the same. If you move, if you're at the 55-yard line in the upper deck, uh, say you're four rows up in the upper deck, and you move down to the 55-yard line in the lower deck, in the lower bowl, is the price the same? With that example, you will pay exactly the same price you paid in 2023. Okay. Uh, text from Trainer Mark. Uh, hey, guys, they offered a three-year grandfathering cost last year when they changed the zones. Now they are raising the prices and forgetting that they locked people in for prices last summer. That comes from a texter named Trainer Mark. Can you address that one, Dahmer? The only person, so there were four price points this year, uh, Kevin. It was mm-hmm. P1 through P4. And if you're a P1, P2, or P3 season seat holder, you're going to pay exactly the same price you paid last season. And our P4 season seat holders um, are going to pay $30 more, which account you know amounts to $3 a game. So they were paying $145 last season. That price point is going to go to $175. But if you're a P2 season seat holder in the upper bowl and you're moving to the lower bowl, uh, again, you're going to pay the exact same price you did uh, this season, and you're going to be at almost the identical yard line. Okay. Um, a lot of the texters are just sort of confused, I guess. Um, we've got a few that have come in that have sent the note that the team sent out, I guess, to season seat holders. Um, I guess that I guess they were looking for transparency, and I, I so am I uh, as a broadcaster. So do you feel that the, the team has been transparent enough with kind of, uh, you know, making this announcement? I think so, Kevin. I mean, three different letters went out on on Wednesday when we announced it. Um, one went to our P2 season seat holders in the upper bowl. One went to our P4 season seat holders in the upper bowl. And the message is, is very, very similar. There's about two sentences that are different because it's not identical, obviously, because um, like I just described, our P4 season seat holders, um, there will be a nominal increase in their season seat this season. Um, and our P2 season seat holders will pay the same price. And then the third, the third letter that went out was to everybody who has season seats in the lower bowl saying there's going to be a whole lot, basically there's going to be a lot more, there's going to be more people down here mm-hmm. and we're doing it for atmosphere. So um, the assumption I think from some people was is that there was one letter that went out to everybody, um, but our different, you know, our different season seat holders who are impacted by this differently uh, received uh, slightly different notes, but um, nothing that doesn't, you know, jive with one another. Okay. Uh, Evan Dom, Director of Marketing and Communications, is our guest on uh, Sports 1440. So what has the reaction been? Um, I think you probably heard, and Alan was listening obviously this morning uh, on behalf of the organization. What's the reaction been that you've heard coming to your office, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a natural reaction for somebody who's in the upper bowl to uh, look at the announcement and say, how, how does this benefit me? And, and I'm, I'm comfortable, I'm happy, 
you know, I, I'm good in the upper bowl. Why are you doing this to me? Mm-hmm. And, and I genuinely appreciate that, Kevin. I mean, before I worked for the organization, I had season seats in the upper bowl. So I get it. They're great seats. It's an enjoyable place to watch a game. Um, I mean, fundamentally, we're doing this uh, for atmosphere. We're mm-hmm. trying to create an environment at a sporting event that has buzz. And when you have 25, even 30,000, heck, if you have 35,000 people spread over 55,000 seats, it does not feel the same as when you have 31,000 people together, shoulder to shoulder, cheering, um, you know, and sort of vibing off off the atmosphere. Um, and, and sports, to me, at least, is about sort of a collective experience and doing something um, with your community and with people and feeding off that energy and hopefully your team feeding off mm-hmm. of that subsequently. So, you know, we're, we're, we've done it for atmosphere. Um, we appreciate the concerns in terms of, you know, the change that this is going to bring to our upper bowl season seat holders. Heck, some of our employees' families are impacted by this and they were calling people and saying, you know, what's the rationale behind this? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I would just, for the people who have been impacted by this, our customer service team, our ticket team, will be working directly with everybody here over the next uh, right. couple of weeks. Um, if they have questions specifically about their case, because there are some exceptions in terms of like some different tech- ticket packages that have been offered over the years. If they have sort of something that doesn't fall in the normal conversation, our customer service team is happy to talk to them and make sure they're taken care of. But I just wanted to spell, mm-hmm. you know, sort of the thoughts that if I'm at the 55, why are you going to stick me in the end zone? Nobody at the 55-yard line is going okay. in the end zone. Fair. Uh, very fair. Evan Dom, Director of Marketing and Communications at Texter, comes in. Uh, and this is a question that I had ready for you uh, from the Pillman. I'll give him half credit. How's that sound? Uh, how is it fair to us that are paying full price already for the lower bowl? If, uh, you know, if you're paying for an upper bowl ticket, it's obviously less price than the lower bowl. So how is it fair uh, for the full pricers in the lower bowl already? That's what the Texter wants to know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's in everybody's best interest that we have as many seats and seat holders and as many people in the building as possible. And, mm-hmm. and to to accommodate the closure of the upper bowl, obviously we need to, you know, offer something to those people to keep them engaged, keep them coming to mm-hmm. games. So, again, I, I appreciate the concern from that season seat holder who's in the lower bowl and might be paying this season a little bit more than their neighbor. Um, but I don't think anybody wants to come to Commonwealth Stadium and sit in a, in a facility and watch a football game um, with 15,000 um, people in the mm-hmm. building. So, you know, we have, to, we have to give and take, and we have to make sure that we keep uh, those people engaged. And, uh, it, yeah, again, it's, it's in everybody's best interest that there's people in the building, uh, that the football product is obviously good, um, that the fans are cheering, that the atmosphere is positive, um, and that we make this a place that not only season seat holders want to come every single game, but also casual people who are coming in large part for the atmosphere and for the for the entertainment uh, of being, you know, somewhere where they're sharing something collectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I appreciate uh, all your comments on this. I think you've answered a lot of questions, uh, Dahmer. And um, how are things looking for ticket sales tomorrow against Montreal tomorrow afternoon? Yeah, we're doing okay. I mean, it was obviously, you know, our, our ticket sales are impacted by the fact that we we were eliminated last week from the playoffs. So um, we'll we'll be over twenty thousand uh, tomorrow. It's a two o'clock start. I think we'll have a good turnout from families. Um, so that's you know that that's sort of the crowd that you get um, when you're playing on a Saturday afternoon is uh, that opportunity to, to tap into that family 
um, group. I know speaking for myself, I've got a four and a two year old mm-hmm. and it's hard for them to come to a seven o'clock game, but they're, they're locked and loaded to go for tomorrow at two o'clock. So it'll be great to have them in the building. Um, and then, you know, for the, for the casual sports fan, what would be better than a doubleheader at Commonwealth yeah. and uh, Rogers place. So come on down and, uh, enjoy the, enjoy the fall football weather. And then, you know, find your place. You're going to watch, uh, watch the Oilers. Yeah. We've talked about that actually Dahmer over the course of the last couple of weeks. Have you, do you know of a lot of, uh, say maybe your season seat holders or just, uh, you know, a, a casual ticket buyer that will go to tomorrow's game and then is heading over to, to Rogers to take in the evening game between the Oilers and the, uh, uh Canucks. Yeah, there certainly will be that group. And I, I've got some friends who have tickets to the game tomorrow uh, who don't have tickets to the Oilers game. Um, and they're going to just find a place to, to go after and, and watch the game. So uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's going to be a nice day. It's going to be, again, great fall football weather. Come have a few pops. Um, do your thing, grab a meal after, and, uh, and watch the Oilers hopefully uh, stick it to the Canucks. So a great great Edmonton sports day is, is there for the taking. Well, uh, appreciate you coming on in short notice. And, uh, you know, just to kind of give our listeners some transparency, I, I think, again, with a community-owned franchise, uh, that's the key word moving forward with everything uh, that this franchise entails, what it has been in the past and what it is uh, moving forward. So thanks for this, Dom. Appreciate it. Yeah, anytime, Kevin. And, and just, you know, to finish on one thing, I, you know, this, this decision isn't taken lightly. And mm-hmm. again, I appreciate everybody's concerns who are in the upper bowl. Um, we're not trying to hide anything. We're not trying to, you know, hide behind our computer screens or our phones over here. Our customer service team has 1,400 account holders up top that they're working to talk to. Um, and I know they're, they're chipping away at that. It's a, it's a mountain of, of emails, texts, and calls that they're working on. So um, I get it. it's tough to be patient to get questions answered sometimes, but they're just, you know, good old hardworking folk who are trying mm-hmm. to do that. And uh, we'll get back to everybody as quickly as we can. So appreciate the opportunity, Kevin. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to having people out tomorrow. All right. Thanks, Dom. Appreciate it. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. That's Evan Dom, Director of Marketing and Communications for the Edmonton Elks. And this has been a bit of a talker for sure today. People are, uh, and again, Alan Watts sent a text about an hour and a half ago. To, he wanted to clarify things. Um, but I think, and Alan's been in, in the game for a long time, in the broadcast side and in the marketing side and comm side of Oilers and Elks. So he's sitting in in the Elks office listening going, you know what, uh, there are too many texts coming in here that are negative about this. So trying to put out a fire if you want to talk about it uh, in that sense. But again, transparency is the number one key with a community-owned organization. They have to be that uh, moving forward. When we come back, hey, how about some baseball? We haven't talked any Major League Baseball yet today. We will do that with Evan Grant from the Dallas Morning News when we come back on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440, first, a sports update with the Duke.